0: Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Let's Talk TV Live on this freakishly balmy night in Chicago where the temperature should be about 35 or 40 degrees and instead it's 70. Feels warmer than that because it's so humid. Uh, It feels like San Francisco in May out there. I'm Barbara Barnett, your host for tonight's show. I'm co-executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, where I also serve as the senior TV and film editor. I'm founder of Let's Talk TV at letstalktv.barbarbarnett.com. If you want to call in tonight, please feel free to do so. The number is 718-305-6982, or feel free to Skype in for sure. Um, We are averaging at this point way more than a 1,000 listens per week. We are up to more than 9,000 listeners in the eight weeks we've been on the air. This is our ninth episode, and it is really, really exciting to see how many people are listening. This last week's episode, despite all the technical issues we had um, in last week's show, we have had well over a thousand listens to it I am just so thrilled and just to remind you also we now have a free app available for download and the links are listed in the blurb for tonight's episode on Blog Talk Radio as well as on the Let's Talk TV site Um, or just go to iTunes and search Let's Talk TV or to play.google.com if you have an Android device and do the same thank you our heart it is amazing. I am absolutely blown away. By the way, the app was created for us by the wonderful Wireless One Marketing, who create affordable, great-looking apps for anyone who needs one. He makes, They make it affordable. Simon Bray is great to work with, and we welcome him as a new sponsor of Let's Talk TV, in fact, our first sponsor. So thank you, Simon. The link to Wireless One is also listed in the blurb for tonight's episode. I have a bunch of announcements. Uh, By the way, I'm going solo tonight, and there's a reason for that. There's so much to cover. Um, There's last night's winter finale of Once Upon a Time, which I want to talk about in great length, especially because the morning of The episode yesterday morning, I posted uh, a fairly critical analysis of the first half of the season, Um, and I think I was still right on the money for quite a bit of it, but there um, were some things that happened last night that make me feel that I need to retract a few things. Um, But first, I have a bunch of announcements to make. Um, There is came in my mailbox this morning. Um, a new documentary in the works, and it is called Showrunners. Those of you who have read me and have listened to me know that probably even more than talking to actors on hit shows, I love talking to the creative minds behind the series. Whether that's Jane Espenson, who I've talked to so many times at this point, whether it's about Husbands, her web series, or whether it's about Once Upon a Time, or even Torchwood, um, she's been great to speak with. Um, I've interviewed Katie Jacobs, who was one of the showrunners of House MD, twice. Um, I just did an interview last week with Rob Doherty, who's the showrunner um, and the creative mind behind Elementary. Um, I have interviewed executive producer writers on House, on Once, on so many other shows, and um, I always like getting into their heads a little bit, even arguing and debating. It's it's really where the creative energy of this wonderful golden age of TV that we're in. And there's a new documentary that's uh, in the works. There's a Kickstarter for it, and I, and I posted the Kickstarter address um, in the chat room, and I'll post it up on my site after tonight's show. But um it is a documentary that actually looks inside this wonderful creative energy that's going on in Hollywood, small screen Hollywood these days. And the documentary features such talent as Joss Whedon, who we know from Buffy and Firefly and Lost and Alias and um I'm sorry, Buffy and Firefly, ha. Huh? JJ Abrams of Lost, Alias, Revolution. Um Of course, Damon Lindoff, Terrence Winter, Boardwalk Umpire, Bill Pratty of The Big Bang Theory, um, Kurt Suter of Sons of Anarchy, Hart Hansen, Bones, Brain Trust. Uh, It goes on and on. Sean Ryan. um, Jane, of course, is involved with it. She's been showrunner on Buffy and on Caprica. David Shore um, of House Rondi Moore, Battlestar Galactica's uh, Brain Trust, etc, etc, etc. So it looks like a great, great, um, I love Joss Whedon stuff too, and Angel, who could forget Angel? Uh, there are just so many uh, shows and so many of these showrunners involved in this documentary. But I wanted to point you to where you can find out more about it. Um, it's facebook.com forward slash showrunners. And that will get you to the Kickstarter and find out a little bit more information. This just came in my mailbox today. So I'm hoping to maybe get one or more of these guys or maybe the the Sean who is putting the um documentary together maybe to come up on the show. Uh thanks our heart for putting that up on the on the uh, chat frame again. Um but anyway, please do check them out. It's facebook.com/showrunners. Those of you who know my house writing know that I wrote the book Chasing Zebras which is a deep hopefully insightful look at the first 6 seasons of House M.D. that the book ends there because it was published in 2010. Um I have had the great delight to find out this week or actually late last week that the book has now come out in French translation. La chasse aux Zabres. Oh, sorry, la chasse aux zèbres. My French is actually better than that. Um it has the same cover as the English version, but I am told it's slightly different size and maybe it looks a little different inside. Of course, the language is different. It is also out in Spanish language. It has quite a different cover um, and in two colors. And uh, it is coming out at some point in Russian as well. Um, I may actually have an announcement. People are asking me all the time, Barbara, Barbara, when are you going to update your book? We need to find out what your take is on the last two seasons. You know, how do you tie it all together? Well, I have a couple of things along those lines. One is, and I can't talk about it at any great length, but there is a possibility, 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 possibility that a an update might be forthcoming. Don't know what form it'll be in. Don't know if it'll even happen, but um, the discussion is happening as we speak. And, um, so hopefully that will be a positive thing, but one of the things that I promised to do back in September, which I've just not had the time to do, but what I will do starting in mid January is having a separate show that will be called, um, let's talk TV rewatch. It'll be on Wednesday nights at at eight o'clock, sorry, at eight o'clock, um and it will be the first of the series will be the house rewatch and what we'll be doing is starting with episode 1 the pilot and what I'll be doing is maybe not a new episode every week but maybe it will be an episode maybe it'll be a story arc maybe it'll be two or three episodes so, so a lot of a lot of episodes during house were really story arcs. They went over two or three or four episodes. Um, So I might say, okay, we're going to do the pilot and Occam's razor, or we're going to do the, when we get to season three, we're going to do the Tritter arc, which took up much of the first half of season uh, three. So we'll be doing that now. The exciting news is I have connected with Bobin Bergstrom, who was the medical advisor, the onset medical advisor for house. And um, she and I had a chat, oh gosh, it might've been Friday, it might've been yesterday, I can't remember, I think it was Friday. We had a chat and she has agreed to come on the show at least once, if not more, and to talk about a house. And you know, she told me that a lot of the house people are, You know, this is a tough transition after eight seasons, um, to go away from something that's been part of their lives for such a long time. So I'm hoping that I will, um, and, and maybe I can get Bob in to help me encourage some of the house folks to come on the show to talk. I've talked to so many of them over the years, from the um, set and art directing people to the showrunners to the writers. I'd love to have Doris Egan on, who didn't write for the show during its last couple seasons, but uh, who is one of the most popular writers on the show and, and, and maybe um, Garrett Lerner and Russell friend who have new projects going on. And, and maybe that'll be an opportunity at Peter Blake and who's writing for elementary, Liz Friedman, who's writing for elementary and and see what they're all up to and, and get them to talk a little bit about house. Who knows? Maybe I'll be able to get David Shore or Katie to come on. Who knows? Anyway, my plans for the hiatus, because once upon a time and pretty much everything else is going into hiatus, um, if not this week, starting next week. And so what to do during hiatus? No, I am not going off the air. Um, I'm not taking a winter break. I am taking a winter break, but I'm not taking a winter break, Um, really. So next week's show will feature a live in the live, not the virtual studio, but in the live studio, Um, I'm going to be having Todd Kessler, who was um, on The Voice, and unfortunately got eliminated after a few episodes. But I am thrilled to count Todd among my friends, um, and I was so excited to connect with him uh, after his appearance. I did an interview with him a couple months ago, and I asked, I said, "Hey, Ted," I mean, sorry, who? Hey, Todd. Um, what would you feel about coming on the show? And maybe even singing a little bit, doing something from your new CD. And he said, great. He says, but I don't really like doing that on Skype. Can I come by and and we'll do it live? And uh, he lives in the city. I live just outside the city. And um, so he is going to actually come to my studio next week. And uh, we've actually even sung together, I think. I sing in another life of mine. Um, I'm a professional singer. Uh, And I'm not in L.A., I am not in L.A., I am in Chicago, I am not in L.A., Um, and so is Todd. Um, So that's the exciting thing. We're a small little creative community here in Chicago, and it's always fun to connect with people that way. Um, But that will be on the 19th, and maybe we'll even sing something together. Um, The 17th of December is a very special episode of Let's Talk TV. I will be having on Gareth Hughes who is the founder of the once upon a time, the UK once upon a time fan site, once upon a fan they did in the, in the fall, they did an an incredible um, fundraiser for with kids Glasgow, which is um, a charity that Robert Carlyle is a patron of. He's an ambassador for them. If any of you have ever seen the wonderful um, three part, interview that with Kids Glasgow did with Robert Carlyle it is fantastic and it is on uh YouTube and anyway Gareth and the site did a wonderful um uh, a wonderful um charity auction and among the things that were auctioned off was the quote unquote infamous chipped cup from the Skin Deep episode last season and there's a whole story to that and and it's really quite lovely um, and it went for something like 3,500 pounds something like that um, it, was, it, it brought in a huge amount of money for With Kids um, I am proud to say that I contributed my Comic Con press badge, press pass that I had autographed by the cast of Once Upon a Time um, almost everyone in the cast um, Carlisle wasn't at Comic-Con this year, uh, so he didn't autograph it. Um, but add Eddie and Adam and Josh Dallas and Emily DeRavin, Lana Paria, uh, who might uh, Jennifer Goodwin all autographed my press pass. And so that went for several hundred dollars, which I was very gratified to see that go for that. So anyway, Gareth is going to be with us. The site has something like 12,000 followers on uh, Facebook, which is incredible. I remember when their site got started and Gareth and I started chatting back and forth with each other and and I'm a supporter of that site and he has always been a supporter of my writing about the show too so it'll be great fun. He is in the UK so for him coming on my show means getting up in the middle of the night and he is a really a sweetheart. He was supposed to be on the show last month and Um, he had, there were some personal things that came up that he couldn't make it. He couldn't make it. And we've been trying to make this work and he's been away and now he's back. And so December 17th, please make sure to tune in. Um, Gareth Hughes will be joining us. December 24th and 31st, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing Christmas Eve. I, on Christmas Eve, I'm going to be having Chinese food. And going to see The Hobbit. My son is coming in from school, um, and we've already made those plans. Um, This is what Jews do on Christmas Eve and on Christmas. I I am Jewish, um, so I don't celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Hanukkah, although the two aren't necessarily equivalent holidays. Um, But what Jews do is they eat Chinese food and go to the movies. And so we're going to do that. We're going to go eat Chinese food. We're going to go to the movies. We're going to see The Hobbit. I'm really excited about that. It's been a tradition um, for Lord of the Rings since my son was a little, little, little child um, and could appreciate uh, Fellowship of the Ring. um, It's been a Christmas Eve tradition in our house. So um, uh, and on New Year's Eve, well, we're going to be hitting the town, probably going to see some jazz, drink some champagne. So I will not be broadcasting. I will be doing my shows that week on Wednesday night instead. So please mark your calendars Wednesday night and not Monday night. Okay, so I want to talk about Once Upon a Time. Um, it is now a winter hiatus, and as I said yesterday morning, uh, sorry, yesterday morning, yes, yesterday morning, I published a piece on my blog that was kind of critical of the show. Um, I said that I thought that splitting the timeline so that you have uh, or sitting, splitting the settings um, where you have um, the, the fairy tale land ruins on one hand. You have fairy tale land. You have Storybrooke, and taking Emma and uh, Snow out of Storybrooke and putting them into this other place with Mulan and Aurora. I thought kind of diffused, you know, not diffused, but diffused everything. A little bit too much and there was several of the storylines especially um, the storyline with Rumple and Belle which I really love and many of you love but it's not the only storyline really I think kind of paid the price a little bit for that um, Mulan and Aurora being brand new characters um, were sort of plunked into our screen every week now I realized why that they bothered me more than say we had Hook introduced this season, we had last season, we had August, we had Jefferson, we had all we have a lot of new characters, and they've all been introduced in Cora, um, they've all been introduced, they've all been incorporated into the story's fabric. What is it that was different about Mulan and Aurora that didn't fit for me? And I realized it. Cora connected to Regina, right? Her mother. Very, very important connection. Belle, a new character, when she was introduced, has a connection with Rumpel. Everyone's got a connection with Rumpel, but she's got a connection with Rumpel. Jefferson has a connection with Regina and with Emma. Well, not really with Anna, because that's new, but she's got he's got a connection with Regina. Um, uh, who else? Did, oh, August. The stranger. August is Pinocchio. And he was introduced slowly and he was introduced into Storybrooke. So that didn't bother me as much. But now we have on and we have Aurora and they were just sort of plunked into uh, into the story without having had previous connections with anyone else in our story. And I think that's what didn't quite work with me, for me. So, um, but, so that, that part of the criticism I think remains, but last night's episode, I have to tell you, one of the things that really tells me that an episode is great is when the commercials come on, and I wish that I had DVR'd it so that I could fast forward through the commercials. To me, that anticipation, as I impatiently await that show to recommence, that that tells me that I'm watching a truly great episode. Agree? Do you guys agree? That that and that happened last night. It doesn't happen often on any TV show, but when it happens, it tells me it's a great. Emotionally resonant episode and what I watch TV for, the TV shows that I watch, I watch for their emotional resonance, the characters, uh, how they resonate, the emotional impact that the stories have. Plot is almost secondary to me than having those characters interact within the universe that they're set. Right. So last night was just great. It was great. It was the, called the Queen of Hearts, which is a great title. Um, the Queen of Hearts. You know, we have hearts. We've, hearts are a big part of the show, don't you think? Um, big part of the show. So you have Regina who takes hearts from people. She takes hearts. She t- How many hearts has she taken? Cora takes hearts. Where did they learn how to take hearts? from Rumpelstiltskin, which is very interesting. Anyway, so last night's episode um, was really to me, I mean, you have, yeah, you know, Rumpelstiltskin was pretty mean. By the way, wow, Cora is the queen of hearts. Isn't that interesting? She's the queen of hearts. How many of you guys, I know our heart out in the chat room, you think that you and, and Dania pegged Cora as the queen of hearts. Uh, you know, there was a big rumor floating, fluttering, fluttering around speculation. And I I did, too. I kind of thought, yeah, that's really good. And you also say Stillskin was mean. And he was. He was. He was. He was steadfast. He was worried about um, he was worried about Cora coming through that portal, um which was really interesting. I thought, um, how worried he was, and I wonder what the source of his worry is. um We don't really know the story between Cora and Rumpel. And why is it that he hates her so much? Why what is he what does he have to fear? Um so I think that, that you're right, Arhart. I think that Cora may hold the key to killing him. You know, killing him requires that that crazy dagger. Anyway, what I think it was what what I think was really, really great last night is that it was less about the conflict between um you have Cora sorry, you have Cora and Hook on one side, right? You have Cora and Hook, really evil dudes. I mean, yeah, they we don't know them as well as we know our our evil guys, Regina and Rumpel, but their motivations we don't we don't understand what where they're coming from. So we have it's not really so much about the conflict between Cora and Hook on one hand and Regina and Rumpel on the other hand. It is really, to me, so much more about the value and power of love. Love is one of the series' main themes. It is a major trope from the metaphor of hearts to love is the most powerful magic. I mean, the the connection between love and magic. Love is magic. Love makes miracles. Love makes magic. Love makes things happen. True love is incredibly important. Um, so, to me, that's really that's really the core of last night's episode, um, and it's explored from the diet really the completely opposite vantages of who are arguably arguably once upon a time's two most powerful magicians, Cora, and. Rumple, and how they look at love, Cora believes love is weakness. love is your weakness, it's something to be exploited, and um it she has no she has no equal in exploiting the feelings of the heart. She has no heart right she doesn't have her heart is locked away somewhere safely. now you can think that maybe there's a metaphor to that as well, maybe her heart. Is buried so deeply that even she can't get at it. You know, no one can get it. Nobody can break her heart. Her heart is unbreakable. Therefore, her weakness is gone. But where is her heart? Is it really somewhere else? Does she even want to have a heart? Does she even want to feel love? I think she does. Okay, I think she, I'm going to be contrarian here. I thought. What was really interesting, and there's a really interesting parallel between Regina's relationship with Henry and Cora's relationship with Regina. Because Cora says she wants to destroy everything around Regina. She wants to, to, to destroy it all because it will finally be then when Regina only has her mother left and will finally need her and will fi- and Regina will be there to pick up the pieces there's a it's a really interesting idea it's an interesting vantage it's very subtle in the episode but she she makes that comment and i was wondering wh- where is that coming from then you think about Regina and Henry Regina wants for Henry to need her. She wants for Henry to love her. She's she's not so successful, but what is she willing to do to get Henry's love? Is she willing to let Emma perish along with Snow? Because then Emma's gone. All Henry will have is Is Regina. Now, she stops herself because her love is more powerful than her need to be needed um, or her obsession with being needed. Um, Hello, Betsy, you've come into the room. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, She says, I don't see how gold was mean last night. Well, he was and there are reasons for it. And I'm going to get into that. So hold on to your thought, Betsy. He did try to manipulate Regina but I don't think that um he did it for any reason other than ultimately uh trying to save all their lives. Um but he was pretty mean. He was and you know what, to be honest, the fact is that Rumple Rumpel has not really sought any sort of revenge against Regina except for that first thing with the rapes that was kind of bizarre um he hasn't you know he's kind of let her be and you know his his anxiety about her her, his anger with her comes out in in small different ways but it comes out so you know his thing is you know maybe they're not going to invite you to to dinner maybe he's she's not you're not she's not going to invite you to dinner that comment he made to uh you know, maybe that's where that comes from. I, I did think he was I, I, I do recall watching the episode. I did sort of a, oh, snap when um when when Rumpel said something to Regina. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into an argument about this. So you guys can argue among yourselves in the um in the chat room about it. But I'm going to continue talking about it. We'll get to that in a, in a bit. Um, but I want to talk about that great scene. So, so Cora. See, I got sidetracked. Cora, love is weakness. Rumpel, what does Rumple think about love? True love is the most powerful magic. He has said that those words so many times over the course of the series, and so has Regina. By the way, she said it to Belle in Skin Deep. But Ruppel believes strongly that true love is the most powerful magic. How was the curse created? What did he need to make the curse in the first place? He took a hair from Snow's head, as I recall, and something from uh, Charming's cloak, probably a stray hair. And that's what he needed to create the curse, true love. It's a powerful, powerful saying. So, but as powerful as he is, and as much as he has manipulated the entire world in which all they dwell, he is really the puppet master here. He confesses that he didn't make Emma who she is. Or give her the power that she has, that she's attributing to his touch. He tells her that she is powerful because she is the product of true love. Now, I have to wonder, I have to admit, I have to wonder if Rumpel had suspected as much. It's possible. The curse he created, um, maybe that curse, maybe a side effect of the curse being broken. Again, going back to that product of love, that the original curse created by the DNA, essentially, of her parents was powerful enough that once the curse was broken, it gave Emma heroic superpowers. How about that? So is it a side effect? Maybe. And what will Emma do with her magic? Does she have magic? Is she going to use it for good? I would imagine she would. Is she gonna use it against Rumple? Who knows? Is she gonna use it to fight Cora? Will um, yes, yes, our heart, you say ultimately it all has to do with getting payback. I have said this from the very first episode where we first see Bailfire. Very, very, very first episode where we first know about Bay. I said right there, aha. That's why. Rumpel created the curse. He's biding his time. This is all set up so that he can go and follow Balefire into that other world with no magic. Right? So this is the world with no magic. He hasn't found him. He can't leave Storybrooke. He's got to find another way. So Um, Yes, I think so. I think Emma, and, and those of you who saw the preview from the next series of episodes, know that he needs Emma to go ahead and find, he needs to find Balefire. Now, the big question on everybody's mind is, what, guys? What, oh! Somebody's trying to come in. I'm sorry. I see you in the green room. So, what's the big question? And hold on. Hi, who's calling? Hi, it's Chrissy from our heart. Hey, Chrissy, how you doing? Okay, how are you? I'm like, so, oh gosh, you know, I'm
1: I'm I'm, I'm making your uh, chat box really busy over here. Yeah.
0: See, I'm trying to keep an eye on the chat box, and I'm trying to keep my attention it's on hard. on actually broadcasting.
1: My it's mind. Hard, has, huh?
0: Well, I'm usually pretty schizophrenic, so, um, so.
1: But I I just wanted to say I was also upset about like the first five minutes of the show, when when Hook decides to bitch slap our girl Belle, I just about lost it. I was like, okay, that wasn't necessary. I don't understand why he did that. Because I I kind of want him to be not. Pure evil. I mean, he's so good looking. We can't have him be all evil.
0: <laughs> good looking, but you know what? See, I, am I'm, I'm bizarre. I tend, yeah. He's, he's almost like too pretty for me. He
1: is, but <laughs> he's yeah, so, I, I, I think that gives me. I think they, they CGI'd him. That's my, that's my theory. Because <laughs> he's so gorgeous. I like anyway.
0: I tend to like the more. Hmm, how shall we put this? Um, <laughs> weathered tormented heroes or anti-heroes. So I I'm not so keen into Haka. I'm okay with him being like a out and out you would use other words, but I was told this afternoon by a couple of my students that they are listening in to my radio show. <laughs> about pressure. Oh lord. Them, I teach after school, after school class and uh, a religious studies class and they were trying to make up a theme song for me. So, <laughs> yeah, much studying. No, I'm kidding. That's very cool. <laughs> One of the things I was kind of keen on, because there's so much to talk about, um, is the whole episode last night, with the beauty of it, the, the brilliance mm-hmm. of the episode, is we circle back to Rumpel's imprisonment.
1: Yes, and that was whole, epic.
0: To the pilot and his cell. And the understanding, see, those of us who remember, right, Price of Gold, Cinderella episode with the lovely Ram, who has been on our show, (laughs) Uh, we know, you know, a lot of us are like, well, you know, did he really know what he was getting himself into? Did he walk into signing that document with that quill, knowing full well? That he was going to be imprisoned. Of course he did, right? And so he said he's he is exactly where he wanted to be.
1: I love that line too. It was perfect because he he just was like, oh, that's all right. They can keep me here as long as they want. I will eventually get what I want. I mean that's his mindset through this whole thing. And I thought it was brilliant. I mean the minute I saw the scroll and the ink and everything, I'm like, just it's it's the ink. It's the ink. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm like figure it out figure it out but it was just it's brilliant how they do that and I love how they go you know go back to the beginning and they do these other flashbacks and things it just it just makes the story and I love the fact that we finally figured out or real or found out why or how part of fairy tale land was not affected by the curse that was right. cool too
0: right which is yeah, how that was like Right, right, right. I really, I really love, I, I really think that, and, I'm, and although I'm beginning to wonder, it was always my opinion watching the pilot, and I love the pilot episode. I love the pilot episode. Um, Me too. Watching Rumpel. And, and what was interesting was it was that episode as awful As Rumpel looks, you know, he's, he
1: is,
0: you know, he is scary.
1: But he was scary. I was scared, to be honest (laughs) with you. I'm like, oh, my God, that guy creeps me out. But for some reason, I really like the character.
0: (laughs) Because I didn't think of him as scary. I I
1: did. Oh, he was creepy to me.
0: The impression of Rumpel in the pilot was, he was tragic. He was insane. He was, and, and he was what, definitely insane. He was insane. <laughs> there was such pathos in yeah. his eyes that right. I can't help but think. And one of my favorite novels is um, is uh, Don Quixote, and you know Don Quixote was imprisoned and and insane for all intents and purposes. Right. And I. He, although Rompel is far from being a Don Quixote t- t- tilting at windmills, that's more Emma. Um, mm-hmm. But there was just something about him that, you know, he was, he. was there was something there. But going back to the pilot and seeing that he had been, you know, had been writing her name over and over. And I still don't necessarily think it was just to use all that ink.
1: No, I think
0: he's just kind of obsessed. He was, he but but I think he was obsessed with wanting to make sure he totally remembered who she was because remember, the the curse was going to take away all their memories, mm-hmm. including his, and he didn't know. I mean, he may not have actually known how it was going to play, right. He's writing her name and writing her name and writing her name, so it sets in his head, so that when he hears her name in Storybrook, when Emma comes to Storybrooke, and he hears her name, that's when it's triggered, and he remembers. Right. So. Right.
1: Um, you yeah. remember when she when he first ho- heard it in Storybrooke too? It was at when she was checking in at Granny's.
0: And there's like this this really yeah and I've heard I've heard Robert Carlisle talk about it
1: mm-hmm.
0: say yeah that was the moment that he believes that his character remembered and I think it was mm-hmm. Trump writing obsessively writing Emma's name over and over and over and over again Yeah, but that was just what I what was so cool about last night is that was just this lovely little detail that mm-hmm. just brought it out um you know you're being asked by Betsy Who do you ship Tell
1: <laughs> Who do I ship I am a rumble girl I just And I love I love snow and charming But rumble is my my Thing <laughs> Absolutely love them together And it's just so cute uh, You know I mean and can I say I mean I know we, we were talking about last night But I just absolutely love that little Their little hamburger date that they were having the, Last week it was just so cute and i think that it is her love that is ultimately going to protect him against cora that's what I think.
0: I think so too um i really i really do um so yeah there were you know i do also ship them as if people don't know um i think <laughs> it's a great relationship but what i like about their relationship in the series more than snow and charming
1: mm-hmm. is
0: that it's a more mature.
1: Yes. I agree.
0: And it's a more tragic love. And yeah, Snow and Charming, there's this tragedy, the unrequited lovers and all that stuff. But um there is just a a tragic sense to it. Um a lot of angst to it. So I guess that's what kind of, and that tends to, tends to uh, really get to me. Um, yeah. I finished with my first novel, writing my first novel. And oh,
1: congratulations. Exciting.
0: I finished it on NaNoWriMo, on National Novel Writing Month. And
1: <laughs> um,
0: I, I'm really excited. It is about, it's going to be when it's completely finished, about 80,000 words. and, the central relationship in the novel, and it's not really necessarily a romance novel, um, but the central relationship in the novel is very tragic. It's very mature, very tragic. So um, you know, Betsy says, you know, it's it's a teen like a teen romance between Snow and Charming. And in a lot of ways it is. I agree with that. So I also want to make mention that we also get another little callback to an, a season one episode with uh the episode, Whatever Happened to Frederick?
1: We oh, return- yeah, that's right.
0: Lake Nostos um, has its origin in Homeric writing, you know, the Odyssey. And um, do you know, are you familiar with Lake Nosos? Nostos? No, I'm not
1: actually. <laughs> Lake
0: for Odysseus. Um, had actually presented, like in whatever ha- happened to Frederick, the sirens who were there mm-hmm. and prevented Theus's mm-hmm. safe journey, safe return,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, were the challenge to him, just like they had been to Charming in whatever happened to Frederick. But um, Nostos is Greek for the pathway home, the journey home. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. So here you have this lovely. Lake Nostos, and and the and the reflection background. Here we are in mi- not mythology, but you know it is mythology. It's Greek mythology, and you have so many uh, references to Greek mythology already in the series, anyway. But this is mm-hmm. just a lovely um, reference, a permanent reference, because Lake Nostos is this actual fixture. That's right. yeah, your favorite story of all time. Did you get the little reference to Lake Nostos? Um, yes. And uh, cool. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it is the pathway home here. It is not the challenge. The sirens aren't there. And it is truly the portal to uh, return to things that are lost, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, po- speaking of portals, somebody tweeted to me last night, um, and I don't remember who it was, that said... Um, yeah, all those portals remat, remind me a little bit of Stargate. They, they are sort of... Oh. Like- <laughs> I didn't even think of
1: that. You know, you <laughs> That's get- true. And, and I like- only watched a little bit of that show. I didn't watch a lot. I wasn't like a die-hard Stargate person.
0: Well, but- I was Stargate, uh, SG-1 or SG-Atlantis. They so a little bit too... Me, you know, with my... Dark, you know, I like dark fantasy yeah. and- stuff and serious dark and angsty things, and so, uh, Stargate Universe was just like okay, right? That's right up my alley. Uh, it's a great show; you should watch it. Carlisle is a star, so if you like Carlisle, oh
1: really? I didn't know that. Oh my god! All right, that's my new my new project. Along <laughs> with my others,
0: <laughs> it's, an, it's an ensemble show, but he is the top line uh, actor in the series. And he is a pivotal character. He plays Dr. Nicholas Rush, who is um, a uh, somewhat Machiavellian um, character whose Hmm. mantra is doing things for the greater good. And whether that means the greater good means hurting people in the process or whatever. He has his own tragic background. His wife is dead. He's got all this. Oh my house, gosh! This baggage and and uh, he's just great. <laughs> he's just. Know, I'm
1: gonna have to see that then for sure.
0: So well, I yeah. like
1: all that stuff normally. I just, I, I mean, I've just been watching so many other things that you know kind of slipped by me. But geez, I'll watch it if he's in it for sure. <laughs> I'll make a point to do it. In other words. <laughs>
0: so, Chrissy and Chrissy, this is your assignment for winter break. I know. There you go. They're are, there are only forty episodes. And um, one of the things that I am gonna be doing during winter break winter hiatus is i'm gonna be doing two series two episodes that are about stargate universe oh one will okay be on season one and one will be on season two. I'm not gonna do a full blown rewatch um but uh yeah, and I've been actually writing um retroactive episodes review to the sh- re- episode reviews to the show uh um, cool. Well, and on my on my Let's Talk T V blog. So Yeah.
1: I'm thinking I got okay, so when are those shows? So I'll start watching talk, and talk about
0: it at least. Toward the end, probably right after New Year's. Right right after okay. uh, right after New Year's, I'll do two weeks of Stargate Universe. And cool. um they are on you can get them on Netflix. Um you can get them on yeah, Hulu. Yeah, I have
1: Netflix.
0: On, so you can get all, it
1: on Hulu too.
0: I believe you can get them on Hulu also. So, yeah, they're really readily available, inexpensively available. And if you have a Netflix account, they're free. I think if you have an Amazon Prime account, they're free on Amazon.com. So,
1: um,
0: you know, they're they're available uh, pretty easily. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to do an SGU couple of episodes. Um, I was going to talk about this briggs Myers personality thing, and I want to talk about it for like five minutes. But I also want to – I only have 12 minutes left to the show, believe it or not. It goes
1: um, by so quick, doesn't it? <laughs> when you get going on stuff that you like to talk about, it's like, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden it's like 12 minutes left. Okay. Well, do you want me to hang up with you? I can hang up with you. you want to continue going?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to talk – I'm going to hang on to the briggs Myers thing. And actually, not talk about it tonight. I'm gonna. To t- I want to talk about California Solo a little bit more. I know I talked about it last week, um, but it opened Friday in New York. I know you're not New Eight. York. You're on the West Coast. You're in Seattle. Yes. Um, and but it opened in. Oh, Betsy saw it. Yes. Betsy
1: saw it. Oh my God! I want to see it so bad. <laughs> Everything I can move.
0: Not. I have to confess, I can watch it as often as I want. Um, (laughs) You're so lucky. (laughs) um, Stream Releasing sent me me a link to the private screening room. And so I've watched it a few times. That's so cool. I am am definitely uh, spoiled. And it is everything I have not shared. Of course, we have to sign all kinds of things not to share with anybody. And and I did not. uh, And you just, you just can't. Um, Yeah. So um, what's your review of the movie? She says, I went to New York city to see it. That is the power of Bobby. It was a wonderful, unusual little movie, truly a character study. And one of the things that I didn't say last week, because it hadn't come out yet, but the reviews for this, for the movie were fantastic. I mean, they were really, really stunning. Um, the New York Times um, gave it a stunning review. Um, uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it a B. Uh, uh, even people who had quibbles with the movie itself, um, reviewers mm-hmm. quibbles with the movie itself, um, said the movie is, is watchable and everybody should see it, if only to watch uh, what okay. a lot of people are calling really the performance of the year. Wow. Um,
1: I can't wait to see. I hope that they put it out here. I'm surprised that they don't release it in Seattle because Seattle has a, a a rich you know film history out here. I'm surprised they they haven't actually.
0: I think done like
1: a screening here or something.
0: In L.A. on Friday, on the seventh. Um, I don't know if that's Friday or not. But it's opening in L.A. on the seventh, and then the week after that, it's opening in San Diego and San Francisco. And I'm guessing. That it's going to open wider after that. So what I want people to do is please make sure to kind of lobby your uh, local
1: cinema
0: or art house cinema. It's not—it's not a movie that's ever going to end up at the Regal or at the AMC. It's a movie that's going to be at the landmark or um, you know one of the like
1: an indie film almost to me. That's sort of what I look
0: at it as. Things that Carlisle is known for throughout his career is um, that, uh, is, is for really micro budget movies and um, independent films. And a lot of his movies just have not been seen widely. And I, I know that he had done a couple of movies in 2008. One was called Summer, which by the way, is available now on Netflix. It hadn't even been available in the U.S. at all until a couple of months ago. Um, oh,
1: okay. On Netflix?
0: It's on Netflix. It's called Summer.
1: Oh, okay. i check that out. It
0: considers to be his best performance that he's ever done.
1: Wow. Um,
0: it is another brilliant performance of um, a middle-aged man in crisis. Um, a great central performance again. Um, and he did another movie called I Know You Know, which is not available um, in the U.S. at all. And I've okay. not um, found any way to get. I-, I have the British, the U.K. version of it. So you can get mm-hmm. it from Amazon.com UK if you have a player that'll let you play it. Oh, okay. I you think can... I do have that
1: actually. If you're a Prime thing, a Prime member, I think you can. Can't you
0: uh, in
1: Amazon? I have to check into that.
0: You can't. You can't get this movie because it's a UK movie only. But I could play it somehow. No, you can't. It's not available that way. But you can. I mean, you can buy it and then just play it on your. Yeah. On on a DVD player that will allow you to play Region Two DVDs. Uh, Okay. Betsy is saying uh, go now, which is another movie that's not available anywhere. They need to start
1: releasing them, because I think, I mean, they'd be surprised at how many of us are out here willing to, you know, buy them or whatever, you know. It was
0: a movie he did in the mid-90s, I think it was 95 or 96, it was before The Full Monty, Hmm. and he plays a guy, kind of a regular guy, who gets multiple sclerosis.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: It is it's another great central performance. Um he's a truly a character actor, so that's another one that mm-hmm. you should absolutely see if you can find. I will not say that you should torrent it, but if you torrent <laughs> <laughs> You can it can sound um if you look hard enough. The same thing with I know you know. Um hmm. But but I know, you know, you can buy in a region, too. Um, Yeah. Wow. Is not available. There's another film he did. um, It was a a TV movie in I want to say 2006 called uh, Born Equal, which he did with Colin Firth.
1: Oh, I love Colin Firth.
0: This is a movie that was done completely improvised.
1: So that is amazing. that really shows their uh talent off when you can do that.
0: Well he's don't you know I mean he's he's a student of Ken Loach and Ken wow. Loach is the improviser of the you know yeah. he never showed script to anybody. I mean it Wow. It, so that is, is great. And then um Betsy is also suggesting the Mighty Celt or the Mighty Celt, mm-hmm. the Celt mm-hmm. which is the movie He starred in with Jillian Anderson.
1: Oh, Um, I didn't know he did a movie with her. Oh, my gosh. That you
0: can get um, on Amazon Prime. It is available here. It was on Netflix for a while, but it's not anymore. But you can rent it from Netflix on DVD. I just stream on Netflix. Uh, So that was, of course, the full Monty um, was great. Um, Oh, I
1: did see the full Monty. That was just that was hilarious. I absolutely love
0: that movie. <laughs> There's another little tiny movie that he did with Marissa Tomei and Sean Astin was in it called Marilyn Hotchkiss Ballroom Dance and Charm School. and The movie itself wasn't the greatest Oh, and John Goodman is in it too. Um, it's not the greatest movie. Um, there are parts of it that, to be honest, they're actually black and white parts of it. Um, oh. Don't work at all, but, um, so much of it does. It's, it's a great, again, a great character study thing. So, um, you know, those are, those are some movies. I wasn't going to go and do this list of Robert Carlyle movies because I think I did one a few weeks ago. This was a different list of of stuff, I suppose. Um, and of course, if you want to see very young Robert Carlyle go, and, ah, I was just going to say that. Betsy just said Hamish Macbeth. So, I was (laughs) really Robert Carlyle. Actually, it was around the time of uh, the Full Monty, um, mid-90s. You know, go in and buy Hamish Macbeth. Uh, It was three seasons. Mm
1: -hmm. It's really, really
0: quite funny and silly and very light, and it's fluffy. It's probably the fluffiest thing that he's ever done. The least serious role he's ever had. I think Um, it's, it's, it's great fun. And and it takes place in the highlands and uh, you know what that's saying that Danny Boyle direct, it wasn't the same Danny Boyle. This was Daniel Boyle and he's actually not Danny Boyle of, Slumdog Millionaire fame and Train Spotting fame and and the guy who directed the um, the opening ceremonies at at the Olympics. This was a different Daniel Boyle. So you know it's it's a common a common mistake. These are different different guys, uh, both contemporaries and both doing their thing at exactly the same time. But and both working with Robert Carlyle. So but they're different. People altogether, um, as far as I know, um, but that's okay. You know, it's a common common mistake, Betsy. No, no, no worries. Um, yes, mm-hmm. was, here, as Betsy points out, there were some tragic moments. There's a, an episode in season two, mm-hmm. two episodes back to back episodes um, called. Um, Radio Loch du, which is the place it takes place in is Loch du, Scotland in the uh Highlands and okay. the following episode which is called um No Man Is An Island and it they're probably the two most tragic episodes of series wow. and um love both I think those are the two best episodes in the entire series um and, wow. and- the only two really, really serious ones, although there are some other serious ones. The finale of the third season is also pretty serious um, and has to do with the Stone of Destiny, which is another movie um, altogether. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so there's there's good stuff. Um, And Betsy um, is definitely suggesting Hamish Macbeth. Um, I want to close out my show tonight. Wow, I can't believe we're down to the last 49
1: seconds.
0: Nine. It goes quick, huh? <laughs> I do mention of the fact that our show is sponsored by Wireless One Marketing who created our wonderful Let's Talk TV app which is available on iTunes and available on play.google.com and if you just if you just do a search on Let's Talk TV you'll find it is a free download. Uh, Simon Bray is great to work with so if you need an app for your Business or for whatever else, they're great to work with and extremely affordable.
1: Awesome! I'll be contacting him for sure. Oh, (laughs) so thank you for that.
0: Definitely could use an app too. So I want to say thank you to our heart to Chrissy for stopping by and Betsy for being in that room. You're
1: welcome. Thank you for having
0: me. (laughs) And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.